Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 152, featuring the top five quietest episodes. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I'm Jim Morehouse. I'm the host of the Trek Race Podcast. And tonight we're going to slow it down a bit. I'm already being quiet. I can, I can fear, hear it in my voice. We're going to lower the volume and we're going to discuss the top five quietest episodes in Trek. I'm not even sure what that means. A quiet episode. But we'll find out shortly in our diagnostic cycle. So for a nice laid back topic like this one, we have three cool guests tonight. First up, returning for his 22nd appearance on Trek Ranks, our friend and host of the Weekly Trek Podcast, Mr. Alexander T. Perry. Welcome back, Alex. Hello, hello, Jim. Thank you so much for having me back. Goodness, 22 times. I keep thinking you'll get sick of me, but somehow you don't. Yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're an easy schedule. <laughs> and our second guest tonight is returning for her sixth Trek Ranks mission from the Toronto Corps. It's Dana Kennedy. Welcome back, Dana. Hello. Nice to be back again. Yep. This will be a fun one. I feel like this will be right up your alley. And finally, he's been on the show before with a couple of voicemails that we've been trying to get him on for a while, making his Trek Ranks debut all the way from the moons of St. Paul in Minnesota. It's Jim McMahon. Welcome, Jim. Hello, hello. It is great to finally be on here. I am glad to have you on, Jim, for our first-time guest. We like to get our uh, a quick Trek rank origin story. So tell us, like, how you got into Trek and what's your favorite Trek, and and have you seen it all? What's what's your quick story? I am I'm technically not a completionist because I have not seen the last three episodes of Prodigy. Other than that, I am a completionist. <laughs> that's I like that. That's really that's technical. Yeah, but I've been a fan since about 1997 when I first saw Worst Case Scenario on Voyager. So, so even though that's not my favorite show, it will always have a place in my heart. My my favorite show is definitely Enterprise because that was my per- first that was my first premiere, and it's just been a downhill ever since for me as a fan. <laughs> oh, that's great! So you so you, you know your first episode was Worst Case Scenario. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. I, love, I wish I knew what my first... Although that wasn't my first memory of Star Trek. I think my first memory goes back all the way to the late 80s with 1100. I'm not even going to try and recite all the numbers. 1100. Damn it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but at the time I was seven years old and didn't think anything of it. <laughs> I gotcha. All right, that's cool. Did, who, who, who introduced you to it? Or did you just kind of find it on your own later in life? I found the podcast on my own. It popped up like in a recommended list of list oh, of Trek no, podcasts. I, I didn't mean Trek ranks. I mean uh, the series. Oh, oh! Uh, it I was literally channel surfing one night and found Voyager on TV. And oh, that's hooked. cool. There you go. So then that that did it. That's that's fantastic. Worst case scenario is so good. That's, that's awesome. great. Oh yeah, it's a fantastic episode. Great stuff. Okay, let's get into our Trek ranks recalibration. You can recalibrate the regulators now. Will do. Okay, the Trek Race Charter has two clauses. We rank Trek to have a fun conversation about Star Trek, and the ranks don't matter. We just use them as the framework to have a deep dive conversation about all the things we love about Trek. Because as Mr. Spock himself has said, our show is all about... Infinite diversity in infinite combinations. 
symbolizing the elements that create truth and beauty. There are no wrong answers at Trek Ranks. This show is all about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline. Now, Discovery, Picard, Strange New World, Short Treks, Lower Decks, and Prodigy. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black Alert. Black Alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through Star Trek Prodigy's first season and the episode Supernova Part 2, which is the 873rd episode of Star Trek across the past 56 years. We'll try not to spoil that one for you tonight, uh, Jim. (laughs) And one final reminder that we use episodes as a shorthand term, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Hailing frequencies open. Thank you, Mr. Worf. You can hail me directly on Twitter at TrekRanks or at EnterpriseXer. You can... And you can see our extensive rankings of all the tracks at trekranks.com. And don't forget to also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP at 609-512-5527. Okay, Alex, Dana, and Jim, let everyone know how to get a hold of you guys on Subspace. Alex. You can find me on Twitter at Alexander T. Perry, and you can find my weekly Star Trek news show, Weekly Trek, at Weekly Trek. Love it. And Dana, how about you? Are you still on Twitter? Yeah, you're still kind of I am, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a little bit uh, more quiet, but I'm still there. Um, So I'm Static Warp Bubble with no E. And you can also find me on Tumblr, um, which is Static Warp Bubble with dashes and an E. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Jim, how about you On, on Twitter, right? I do have a, I do have a Twitter although I'm not on there very often. It's TrekFan165, and I and I also make occasional appearances on the on the Galaxy Class podcast over on the BQN network as well sometimes. Oh, awesome! Okay, I haven't listened to that. I should do that. Okay, we are ready to run a diagnostic cycle to get into today's show. Computer, run a level two diagnostic. All right, this is going to be real quick. This may this sounds like a simple topic, but. It's really, it's pretty wide open in terms of how you define a quiet episode. Is it literally quiet? Is there a play on words with the word quiet in the title? There's quite a few of those. Is there a plot point that maybe focuses on being quiet? Maybe that's why you're picking it. Is it quiet because no one ever talks about it? People forget it exists? I don't know. Is it scenes in space that are quiet? It could be anything. You can go in a ton of different directions on this one. And I thought about all of them, I think. So I'm excited to see what our guest did with it. So let's do that now and get into our Prime Directive and see how everyone broke this one down. Do they know about Prime Directive? They know everything I know, sir. And you're about to know everything we know about our Prime Directive as well. So Alex, let's start with you. How did you define your Prime Directive in order to finalize your picks? Yeah, so for this one, I my definition of quiet is actually uh, not any of the ones that you just mentioned. My definition of quiet is the fewest number of cast members possible appearing in the episode. So I'm looking for, like, they don't have to be small episodes in the sense that big things can still happen, but I'm looking for two-handers as much as possible, right? So, like... Um, uh, not many cast members, one episodes that would work really well as stage plays rather than as television episodes. So that was how I define quiet in the sense of like, it's a small number of people doing something. Yes. Okay. I get it. I get it. I thought when you first said, it, I thought literally the fewest episodes with the fewest number of uh, people, but I, I, it's more about the framing of it. Yes. Yep. I got it. I love it. That's really good. Okay. I think that'll probably be seen in mine a little bit. I think I think that's how I was thinking about it a little bit. Dana, how about you? So I, I had a few points because you can interpret it so many different ways. 
So one of the points is it has to be kind of a reprieve from the main plot. So like the the episode or the seasons that have like kind of season-wide arcs, it had to be kind of not focused on that. It had to be a little bit slower paced. It had to be character focused. So maybe something like a slice of life episode. Um, it could be more abstract, quiet in the sense that kind of two characters are the focus and like they, the rest of the cast is kind of in the background. And it could be quiet in the literal sense because there might be limited dialogue, um, maybe some isolation. So kind of I went with that. Isolation. That's a good that's a good tweak on it, too. OK, so that's like there's some similarities to Alex and I think with me. But I also think it, you, I mean, it could be completely different, too. So how about you, Jim? How'd you do it? Well, I tried to deliver on it being like episodes that would that either were either meant to be dramatic or funny or have a unique ending, but for whatever reason, they just didn't quite achieve it. Oh, so that's interesting. It's so like almost kind of like what I said about maybe the episode is quiet because it didn't have a it didn't like have the punch to make it memorable. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I definitely again, I I, did, I don't think every pick achieves that prime directive, but I did try that way. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, all right. That is that sounds very abstract. I like that. And speaking of abstract, we did abstract silence as a topic back on episode one twenty eight. So when I jumped into this one, I was I wanted to make sure my list was different from that list, and that quietest episode was very different. And I think it is. Abstract silence was more about kind of weird angles and ways to look at Trek. So. This one, I, I looked for episodes where the tone was subdued and quiet, and maybe they were even being quiet as part of the storyline. And, you know, more just about, like, what you said, Dana, the pacing and the way people were acting. And, and, and honestly, just the general, like, decibel level of the episode just being quiet. So where you just, there's, you, you think of it, and it's just a quiet episode, one that you're not going to have be adjusting the volume too much when uh, the music swells or some explosions uh, uh, take off. So, so, and then, and then I made one addendum too, because every once in a while I try and do this, it's getting tougher now as we get to 150 plus episodes, but I made my long list and I decided to go with five picks that I have never picked before. All right. right. I got five newbies for me. So it was fun. Definitely, uh, definitely challenging. Okay, we are now ready. Third Ramadacon, introduce us to the Order of Things. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the Order of Things. Thank you, Third Ramadacon. As always, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our quietest episode choice and the reasons we're highlighting it. And after getting through five rounds of picks... We'll get into a few secondary system selections from everyone. And remember, if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedo. Okay, Alex, let's kick this off with you. What's your number five pick for your top five quietest episode? Okay, uh, five-word summary. Oh, good Lord, a highwayman. Hashtag, what does it mean, arrogant son of a... This is Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4, Episode 2, Family. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, classic, like, I mean, I think this fits many definitions of the term quiet, right? This is a, this is sort of a catch-up, refresh 
episode after the big ones of the best of both worlds but it's also a very small episode in the sense that you really only have two stories and in those two stories you have a very small number of characters interacting with each other the rest of the cast really don't have anything to do um you've got picard and his family and then you've got the couple of scenes with Worf and his parents and that's pretty much it for this episode which is just like 42 minutes of the best payoff after a huge two-parter that really kind of indicates the ways that you can do all kinds of different stuff with Star Trek, right? That you can do an episode like this after a huge episode like The Best of Both Worlds and have consequences from one episode carry into the next one. There's nothing bad you could possibly say about family. Why have you been away so long? Well, Starfleet keeps me very busy. Father says you don't like it here. I'm sure you misunderstood. No, I didn't. He said so. Well, Robert and I, we... Perhaps it's time to change all that. You know, you don't seem so arrow... Arrow... You know. Arrogant? Yes, arrogant. You don't seem that way to me. What does it mean anyway? Arrogant son of... A... Let's talk about that later, shall we? Mummy? He's here! Yeah, that's a, this is a great pick. This episode is so quiet that Alex forgot about the uh, scenes with uh, Will Wheaton, with uh, Wesley Crusher. You see? Uh, so it's, <laughs> yep, exactly. That's how quiet it is. I love it. I don't know how I did not think of this one, but somehow it is not on my very long list of secondary systems picks. Uh, Dana, what's your take on family? And I yeah, family? this is a great one. It's like um, a nice breather after right. a really really intense uh, two parter, and and it's just you kind of needed that because Picard needed that. Right. So it was it, it was nice to just kind of see a different side of him dealing with things it's really well done yeah i love it jim what's your take on family oh i love this pick this is an amazing pick and like you jim i'm kicking myself for never even thinking of it right <laughs> like this is, i think i remember some trivia about this episode like this was the only tng episode never to have a scene on the bridge right and yet it is still one of the best episodes of the series so that tells you how good of an episode it is if you don't even notice you're never on the bridge it really does that's such a great point and that and what would see what's quieter than not having an episode on the bridge. I mean, this, this is, uh, this is perfect. It actually could fit your, your, uh, prime directive too, Jim, and that the, the scenes with Wesley at the end don't really have that kind of, that's that one of the reasons to, I'm kicking myself for not thinking of it. <laughs> to, to, it doesn't quite match the rest of the episode yeah. uh, stuff, but I mean, all time great episode. And it's, this is, I'm going to say now, cause it's, cause we're still a year away from it, but, uh, we're doing top five game changes on episode 171 because I previewed that like 50 episodes ago. So I've got it on my long list. This is a game changer. This episode's a game changer. It changed the way Trek's narrative uh, went with having that kind of part three after the best of both worlds. Really cool. Okay. And let's be honest, who doesn't love seeing Picard and Robert just go at it in the oh, vineyard? It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> and it even and it's even more poignant now with all the Picard series stuff. Amazing. Great pick. Incredible start. I cannot believe I didn't think of this one. Uh Dana, what's your number five pick? All right. Five words. Flox and Porthos bonding time. Hashtag imaginary friends. And it's from Doctor's Orders. Yes, this is this is good. <laughs> 
So it's it's quiet because it's a slow it's literally episode. Quiet. Yeah. yeah, in the middle of their their big um, season three, oh uh, Zindi and all that stuff. So you just kind of have flux on a ship with a dog dealing with ghosts and imaginary people, and uh, even though Paul is imaginary, which sorry spoilers, um, I always like the dynamic between the two of them, and I love that we got pretty much an entire episode of that. And it also reminds me a little bit of the um, Mash episodes where they're writing letters to home, and you just kind of oh, yeah. get that little yeah. narrative in there. So it's it, it's a great episode. I love that. It does feel like one of those Mash episodes. I've never made that correlation. I love it because you get some bonus for those two. Um, I had this on my long list, except it says uh, one and Voyager next to it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a awesome pick. I def I did think of this one as well. This is uh, this was literally quiet. Uh, Alex, do you have any thoughts? I am not going to say much of anything because even though I do acknowledge it, that's a good episode. It is not one of my personal favorites, so I'm just going to step back from that one. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Understood. There's always that kind. Alex, really? skip me. <laughs> okay here, all right just me here, here we go I, I, and me dana and me uh, okay jim uh let's go to you what's your number five pick i have two different i have two different five word themes here and i cannot pick which one to do so i will just do both of them in the hashtag and i'll let you decide later do it okay five words number one buck bokai rumpelstiltskin and dabo number two <laughs> quark's nightmare everyone else's dreams Hashtag be careful what you wish for. It is wishes. It is if wishes were horses from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, that that first uh, five words. The first five words gave it away pretty good. When you, we get Ruffle Stillskin, it kind of kind of gives, gives it away. I love it. I just love the second one so much. I cu- I couldn't decide which one to do. <laughs> so why'd you pick this one? I like it. Be- I like it because it's rather low key, and the ending is basically just the aliens go away, and we never hear them, and we never hear or see them all again. <laughs> So true. Oh yeah, and the station was never really in any danger, despite being hyped up that way. Yeah, this really this mm. is fascinating because it really does have a quiet ending where it's just everyone just decides to to go their own way, and the station wasn't really in danger. I love it. This is good. Uh, any other thoughts, Alex, Dan? Uh, this this episode is a guilty pleasure of mine. It's it's really corny. It's really bad, but I love it. Yeah, I love this one. Go Kings. It's got those real first season Deep Space Nine vibes. Yeah, and, totally. And, and it's hundred like, percent a next generation episode repurposed right. to be an episode of Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah. Like this so easily could have happened on board the Enterprise D, but it's just really fun. Hey, we are going to do episodes that feel like TNG episodes at some point. <laughs> and this one is on so that list. Another for sure. preview of that. Yeah, it's it's like. You know, it's one of those episodes that when it first drops and it's for, you know, you're like, oh, okay, all right, let's get to the next episode. But, you know, 20 years later, you're like, oh, I freaking love that episode because it's just so goofy. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm up. My pick, I'm starting with my most obvious pick. And the first one I thought of, five words and a hashtag. On ship alone, hold up, hashtag Odana. It is from TOS season three. It's the Mark of Gideon. And this is uh, one of those <laughs> episodes that can, it's not always the easiest one to watch. It's got some hard subject matter. It's a little stretched out and repetitive, but I've loved it since I was a little kid. I can't believe I hadn't picked it before. And, you know, listen, when you're 10 years old and you 
and you're watching this and you don't have a ton of extra Star Trek information, just being able to see the ship in so much detail and so many shots of the corridors and the emptiness and Kurt searching different areas. And then the bonus that Odonna shows up and you're like, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. But in the end, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a super quiet episode, obviously in terms of uh, the two of them on the ship. And it's pretty interesting in, in the end as an allegory for its time about, you know, overpopulation and population control. So just an interesting episode. And I, I, I forgot this until I was researching. Always forget this. It was written or co-written by Stanley Adams, who played Cyrano Jones on <laughs> The Trouble My goodness. That's nice. just like one of, those, that. it's just, you know, it's one of those things that you forget or didn't know. And, just, and when you hear it, you're like, Cyrano Jones wrote The Mark of Gideon? What? Uh, Alex, any take on this one? Uh, this episode is... It, it, it's all like I struggle to put into words how I feel about it because I have so many feelings about it, right? Like the the creepy faces on the view screen, yeah. and you know the sort of overpopulation message, which kind of gets lost in the episode as a whole, right. or at least it doesn't really translate into anything meaningful. But then the great stuff about like being on the ship itself, and like this is on my secondary systems because obviously it fits my prime directive of being like a very small cast, right? Like yes. there's not a ton of characters who appear in this episode. Certainly it's from our main cast. It's like Kirk and like you really just get cameos from everybody else. Um but uh yeah this is like it it is one of those like swing for the fences episode of TOS and it, do, it, it and it, it doesn't necessarily translate into being an unmitigated success but like it is one of those episodes that has pieces that just really sticks with you yeah Wilson uh, it's been so many years since I've seen this episode so I can't really remember the details but I always liked uh, TOS's uh, bottle episodes where right. it's just purely on the ship because you do get that kind of isolation in space which you forget like they're in space it's yeah. completely like no one is around for trillions of miles or whatever and you you really feel that in a lot of those bottle episodes and you feel it in this one for sure i'm in the same boat on that one it's been so many years since i've seen this episode i hardly remember anything about it all right, well, that gives you some Trek ranks uh, to go, some Trek to go watch after this Trek ranks. All right, let's go to round four. Alex, what's your number four pick? Five word summary Meatloaf, Bourbon, and Dearest Deborah. Hashtag with her, it was the eyes. <laughs> this is Star Trek Enterprise season one, episode 16, Shuttlepod One, <laughs> which is like your classic two hander stage play. You could put this on a stage tomorrow and it would be really easy to do. It's a small episode. The stakes are very large for Trip and for Reed, but it is ultimately a relatively small episode. And a lot of it is character stuff, right? It is the interactions between Trip and Reed. It's your first real opportunity to get to know Reed in any kind of significant way. Um, and uh, maybe you don't find that you like who he turns out to be very much, but at least we got a more fleshed out well-rounded character and it, it it's it, it's such a watchable episode of star trek despite you know it being a bottle episode and it not really 
you know, I'm, I'm quite literally a bottle episode, given how much bourbon they drink over the course of it. Um, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of Shuttlepod 1, and it is sort of that classic, just like two characters talking to each other for 42 minutes. Yeah, my take on this is that I I don't th- I I I thought about it, but then I dismissed it because while it fits your prime directive, Alex, for me it's not a quiet episode, right? Because because it's a it's two people and it's kind of res- but they're but they're always they're yelling at each other the whole time and they're talking. They are that. yelling so, at each other. So a lot. I was like I was like cl- and I was like no, I'm gonna I'm gonna steer mine to more where that's happening, but it's also quiet. <laughs> so. I would hate to go to my death thinking that either of you felt I was trying to avoid Malcolm! You've been at it for hours now. Don't you think it's time to give it a rest? As I'm sure you must have heard, that was my esteemed colleague, Commander Charles Tucker. Mr. Tucker doesn't share my belief that it is essential to say what must be said, to leave a record, tie up loose ends. Mr. Tucker is laboring under the false hope that we are going to be miraculously rescued before we both suffocate. Mr. and Mrs. Reed, I realize that you've just begun a period of mourning and that I'll never get an answer to this question. But I gotta ask it anyway. Was Malcolm always this cynical? In a few days, when the reality of this situation actually begins to sink in, you might very well decide you want to record some logs of your own. You have my word. I will not interrupt you. I just need to get some sleep, Malcolm. Is that so hard to understand? We have less than nine days of oxygen left. It seems a waste to use it up sleeping. It's like one of my favorite episodes of Enterprise. And it is it is a good character episode. And I almost picked this one. <laughs> it almost made my top five, but not quite. Um, but I I really like how it's character focused um, with with Reed and Trip, and we really get to know them in that small quiet space. But yes, they are shouting at each other most of the time, so it doesn't quite work. <laughs> yeah, there are uh, so many sound bites there, Jim. I do like this episode too, but I usually have to power through the scenes where they talk about Reed starting to starting to perv out onto Paul. Yes, <laughs> the most oh, I can yeah. do without that too. Oh, yeah. oh, thanks, thanks for ah, the Vulcan Malcolm. word, Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, Jim. Okay, uh, Dana, what's your number four pick? All right, five words. Universe is wrong, not Crusher. Hashtag oh. static warp bubble. Mm-hmm. God damn it! How did I not mm-hmm. think of this one? That's so good. So, yes, as you know, this is where I got my uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like this episode. It's it's bizarre and insane, but it really, really works. And I like that it's kind of a mystery episode where you kind of have to to solve it as it goes along or Crusher has to solve it as it goes along. And it's kind of like cause and effect in that sense where as the episode kind of goes on, you're like, what the hell is happening? Why Why is she the only one that can remember this? Here's a question you shouldn't be able to answer. Computer, what is the nature of the universe? The universe is a spheroid region 705 meters in diameter. And it's just a good crusher-focused episode, which we didn't get enough of. Right. Yeah. It, it- I mean, I can't believe I didn't think of this yeah. one. This is the perfect quiet episode, especially because it builds toward the quiet. 
where Beverly's just kind of isolated again. Yeah, isolated. And every time like there's a new race, she's like, this all makes perfect sense to you. <laughs> it's like there's four people manning, you know, this huge <laughs> ship. I love it. Uh Alex, Jim. If there's nothing wrong with me, there must be something wrong with you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I do love the I do love the episode, although what I've always found fascinating is if I remember this right. Gates was pregnant at the time she did those stunts on the bridge, which which I found which which I found very impressive. Wow! I love this episode, and it's funny. I actually, this is an episode I have grown to love. I I did not love it the first few times I watched it, but uh, then I started meeting people who actually really liked it, and I was like, oh, I guess I should reconsider it. And now oh, I really, really? really like it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did, I I thought initially I found it really irritating the way that like nobody was paying attention to how absurd the situation was other than crusher even though that's part of the story and right. even though that's what's yeah. supposed to happen it's still like irritating to watch everybody be so stupid <laughs> um, <laughs> it did get a little it did get a little weird at the end when it was just two people manning a galaxy class stars yeah but i have gotten over that over time and and now i just uh all i all i want for christmas is is uh dalen quace's uh uh bitch and suitcase oh my god <laughs> i want his i want his mustache <laughs> yeah. guys, man um this is interesting i i think of this episode and this is a little bit off track maybe someday we'll do the episodes and not in a negative way but the episodes you've seen too many times your top five episodes you've seen yeah, so many uh-huh. times because now it affects. I think this is like, I love this episode. It's a classic. There's, I don't have a bad thing to say about it. It's perfect. But I think if I had to rank of all the great episodes of Trek that I've watched too many times, this might be right up at the top where it's like, damn it. I wish I could get, I wish I could watch this one over for the first time. Yeah. Get a little oh, maybe bit that's of magic a way to, maybe, yeah, to get that magic back. Maybe that's a better way to do it. I just know it so well. Top five episodes you should only watch once. (laughs) No, that's terrible. We should never watch once. Okay, Jim, what's your number four pick? This is one of my literal choices for quietest episodes. Okay. Five words from Voyager 6 to V'ger. Hashtag the first appearance of the Klingon language on on screen. It is Star Trek the motion picture. Okay, I'm going to. That's the prime directive. I've already said it three times. How how did I not think of this one? This is like the, I mean, it, it's all there's there's like swaths of this movie where there's no dialogue, it's just music. Yeah, it is quiet. Yeah, hence the name, the motionless picture. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic pick. I mean, I think anybody listening is realized. Oh yeah, and even with like the not only obviously with the six minute introduction of the Enterprise, but all the scenes is going deeper and deeper into Voyager. Uh, or, sorry, into V'ger. Spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, Dan and Alex, anything? Yeah, um, I actually almost picked this one as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but this is one that grew on me, like Alex uh, said. it's. I watched the recent um, release, the director's right. cut or whatever right. it was. And it really kind of made me appreciate it a lot more because for the longest time I was like, this is my least favorite of movies. It's just kind of, meh. but it, it's actually a really well-made movie. It's a really good story. It's just, you know, when you compare it to the Wrath of Khan, yeah, the Wrath of Khan is way more exciting, but this is like, this is good science fiction. 
Yeah, same here. The, the director's edition is the... Cl- it, it has, like, really turned me around on this movie and also mm-hmm. just happened to have the occasion to, like, watch it in the theatre several times in the last couple of years because they did the theatrical edition for the... 40th anniversary and then they brought the director's edition just this past year so i've actually seen the motion picture quite a lot in the last couple of years and like i very much turned around on it from being like the most forgettable star trek movie in my opinion which maybe also ties into it being the quietest to like really the one star trek movie that actually tries to make the premise of the show happen in a movie mm-hmm. and that that being such a really laudable thing for them to have done and that there's actually so right while while there are elements of it that don't work so well and even the director's edition can't fix everything about kind of some of the flaws in the story that there really is so much to like in the movie as a whole Yep, well said. Oh. It, it has stood the test of time. Somehow, though, even when I was 10 years old in 1979, I loved this movie. First time I saw it. Okay, my round four pick, five words and a hashtag. This, this is the first time this, ep- this episode's ever been picked on Trek Ranks. Five words and a hashtag. This is a blue ocean. Hashtag. This is a blue ocean at sunset. This is two people walking along the beach by a blue ocean at sunset. It is loud as a whisper from TNG loud season two. A, a beautiful episode with a love, just an incredible soft tone. And it's just quiet. It's a quiet episode of Star Trek. The chorus is a real inspired sci-fi idea. I love it. Uh, we got Randy Oglesby. Pre-Degra is one of the chorus folks for Riva. The scenes with Troy and Riva, I think, are really effective. Riva's an interesting character um, as a as a mediator who's deaf and uh, the way he works. And it's just a, it's a great Troy episode. I love everything happening here. Shout out to Howie Sego, who's the deaf actor that played Riva. Um, I just this is a this is a cool episode. Anybody kind of take on loud as a whisper. As one of the, uh, we talk a lot about like uh, conspiracy as having the grossest scene in Star Trek. This probably yeah. has like the second grossest scene on Star Trek where the chorus get disintegrated and you see them like literally disintegrate down to their skeletons. Oh, it's, yeah, without question. Yeah. Like, but, I but, forgot about that. yeah, oh, and like that, that is the moment that sits with me from this episode. But I actually really, really like this episode. This is one that when I hit upon it, I'm like, oh, I get to watch Loud as a Whisper now. I'm really pleased about that. Um, for all the reasons that you said, Jim, I, it, it is a very sweet episode in that way. Yeah. Uh, amazing tone. And you're so right about the, that, phaser that uh effect it, that that was that was i never went the first time you see it dude it's like what the hell is that yeah, oh my gross. god <laughs> are you gonna put that in my soup okay let's go to the soup round alex what's your number three pick all right fire those photon torpedoes oh. five word summary your friend and colleague flocks hashtag the better version of one and i also picked star trek enterprise <laughs> season three episode 16 Yay. doctor's orders it which i love i and i think it was it it, it, it was eugene or it might have been Jen Tift, who said that like that doctor's orders was the better version of one and i vividly remember <laughs> sitting back and going 
oh, you know what? Actually, it is. Like, it gets a bad rap for being a copy of one because one came first, and there are so many structural similarities to the story, but, like, it improves upon one in a really good way. And, like, John Billingsley is so good as Phlox, and this just really gives him an opportunity to, like, shine and 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 sort of flex his muscles and... Again, spoilers, imaginary to Paul, right? Like Julian Blaylock plays imaginary to Paul differently than regular to Paul because she's emotional, even more emotional than she is even at this point in season three of Enterprise. And like, it's just a really nice, subtle performance that shows you when you look back on it that like, oh, of course she was imaginary and not real. Um, and it, and it's so cleverly put together the way they do the imaginary performance because she, they're so good at making sure at every point in the episode that T'Pol is not interacting with anything or doing anything, but delivering information that makes you, the audience, believe that she is until you hit the reveal moment and you go, oh, wait, actually, no. So I'm a huge fan of Doctor's Orders. I love this episode. Yeah, that's that's a great summary. I will. I don't think it was me, so we're going to give credit to Jen Tiff on that. Um, who said that about the the better version of one? I will say again, and bonus Porthos. I love that. All right, anybody else got a final take on Doctor's orders? Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, you love it. Okay, let oh so let's go to you, Dana. What's your uh, number three pick? All right, five words: cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber. Oh my god! <laughs> minions of orthodoxy. <laughs> of course, in the cards. It's so, so quiet. <laughs> this is one of my all-time favorites of Deep Space Nine. It is just such a breather in the middle of the Dominion, I'm everything. And it's just about Jake and Nog getting a baseball card because Cisco is sad. And it's just such a good character study of, of everybody. Uh, and you have Dr. Geiger, who's this really bizarre guy. And you have Wayun on the station, who at the end is like, oh, tell me more. And it's just so well done. And such a such a great episode. Even though nothing really happens, it's just it's a perfect episode. I mean, the fact that Wayoon and the Jem'Hadar show up in this episode is like is so cool. Um, yeah. That's actually yeah. counter to the quiet part, but uh, but the yeah, quiet yeah. part is legit. It's this is just uh, it's just a quiet episode. I love Doctor Geiger. That actor Brian Markinson is really good. Yeah, I didn't think of this one. I you know I have another one from Deep Space Nine on my long list, Explorers, that I thought of, but. Uh, this, that one was on my list. Yeah, yeah this is this is really perfect. Uh, Alex, Jim, any take on in the cards? I like. I love that choice. It's one I didn't think of, and it and and it is a great like lighter, quiet episode before like the last two seasons just go like bang into overdrive of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it's almost it's quiet almost because of where it falls mm-hmm. in, the, in the run of the show. And even though Wayun and the Jem'Hadar show up, it's still quite a quiet appearance, right? It's just right. like. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm trying to do this thing. Oh, okay, then fair enough. You know, carry on, right? Yeah, you're like, right. You know, um, yeah, I thought of this one too. It didn't fit my prime directive because it's really more of an ensemble episode, and I was oh, right. explicitly yeah. avoiding those. Um, but definitely a quiet episode. And 
Uh, yeah, everything I know about 1962 mint condition Willie Mays baseball cards I learned from this episode. <laughs> I love that. And it's impressive a 1962 mint baseball card was stayed so mint into the 23rd century or 24th century. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Mack, what's your super pick? Five words. Star Trek prequel to Picard. Hashtag attack on Mars devastates school children. It is my other literal interpretation here. It is children of Mars. Oh my God. Of course. That's a good choice. So this was on, I was going to pick this, but I picked it before. So I had to delete it. This is a great pick. I mean, this is, I didn't think about this one, but this is quiet. I don't think there's any dialogue until like the last couple seconds of the, of the trek at all. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, no, this is, there's really no, there's no, there's no scripted dialogue in this episode. Is is uh, I think, yeah. Anyway, but obviously it's underneath the uh, the Peter Gabriel cover of Bowie, and yeah, like you said, it's this is literally just like a, a teaser Picard season one teaser before the series launch. Really cool. Yeah, and unlike the motion picture, this actually this actually keeps your attention. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing stop that. Uh, Alex or Dana, any take on Children of Mars? I'm upset that I didn't think about this one. (laughs) Me too. This is is perfect. This is perfect. This fits both your guys' prime directive for sure. Yes, it does. And I really like um, one thing I would like to see more of in Star Trek. It's not really very Star Trek to do this, which is why you only kind of see it in these like sort of little things. Is I really like seeing sort of slices of life outside of starfleet and also like not like people living on the margins i like to just see how do middle class people live on earth and like this is a fun way of seeing that in a star trek context for a few minutes and yeah if there were more opportunities for them to do things like that i would very much enjoy it that's why i wish they were still making short tricks because we could get more of that Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. I hope they pick it up because that would be perfect. Yeah, we talked about that on a recent episode. And hopefully, at some point, they find a window to throw a few more in there. It's tougher now with five five series active. So, close out the soup round with my pick. I, this is a beautiful episode. Five words and a hashtag. Denara Jonas and Red Chevy hashtag. The Doctor falls in love. It's Voyager season two, episode nineteen. Life signs. And this is just a quiet episode. It's a great love story. You get a lot of depth on the Vidians. This is the one where Denara Pell, played by Susan Dial, comes back to, oh no, comes to the, uh, is found by the uh, Voyager. And the doctor basically falls in love with her while trying to cure her of the phage and gives her a holographic body. And you get some some good Seska sneaking around stuff uh, and storyline. You get the Paris stuff. You've got uh, Jonas. I, I said Seska sneaking around. It's not Seska. It's Jonas sneaking around for Seska as a spy, being very quiet. It's just the whole thing. It's just very, very quiet. I love this episode. There's uh, a few stakes at the end with, uh, with the Vidians showing up. But for the most part, it's just a doctor love story with uh, Denara Pell, and I love it. Uh, Dana, any take on this? I completely forgot about this episode, so I think I need to rewatch Voyager now. So thank you. <laughs> but uh, no, this is this is perfect. This would fit mine as well. Yeah, for sure. This would probably not fit yours in terms of the uh, your prime directive, Alex. Yeah, but still, great episode. Love 
Dinara Pell. I thought the actress who played her was great. I also really like the fact she showed up again in Resolutions, an episode that does fit my Prime Directive, but it is one of my secondary systems. That's right. And uh, it, the the love story between her and the Doctor is really authentic. And like this is also one of the first episodes where Robert Picardo kind of starts playing like some of those elements of that character and it's just like fun to see and it kind of gives you in a, a sort of a a little teaser of all of the fun directions that the doctor will go in over the next five seasons yeah that's another thing that this episode teases so you get the d in depth you get the paris storyline you get jonas and you get more of the doctor stuff i love it jim any take on this one Oh yeah, I completely, I completely agree with Alex about it being one of the first Doctor Doctor heavy episodes. Mm-hmm. I think they finally realized what a great actor Robert Picardo was, and, and so they decided to start giving him more material. Since, since I believe that actually was, it might have been the first episode where he actually got stuff more than just saying a couple lines in sickbay and and ending the week. Yeah, for sure, it was mm-hmm. one of his heavy lifting ones. I mean, he had heroes and demons, but this is one of the first ones where he's. Uh, expanding beyond this program. And I'll say you mentioned Susan, I mentioned Susan Dial and you mentioned her, Alex. She played, she was in Silicon Avatar as well. She played the, of course she was. The doctor that dies at the beginning. Yes. Hitting on Riker. She was the one who flirted with Riker. She was Carmen with the excellent dessert. Right. Yeah. This is sounding better all the dessert time. It's my favorite part of <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Let's go to round two. Alex, what do you got? Um, okay, five word summary should have killed them all. Hashtag, and that is why you're not an evil man. Oh, this, this is not a quiet is, episode. But this is, is not a quiet, quiet episode. episode. This is good. This is Star Trek Deep Space Nine, season six, episode 11, Waltz, which oh. is not a quiet episode at the end, but in the earlier scenes when it's Cisco and Ducat together on the planet after the Honshus exploded, they actually are really quite quiet in terms of you have a fire, you have two characters, one of whom is injured, and one of whom is purposefully trying not to play a crazy man. Um, and, And so that middle section of the episode, those kind of scenes between those two, when Cisco's like trying to feel out what is Ducat's agenda here, and Ducat's plan of trying to play it straight as I'm just trying to get us out of here and, you know, no hard feelings and just this, that, and the other, like there are actually some really nice quiet scenes in this episode before you then hit the big screaming crescendo of smashing each other over the head with metal rods and like Ducat finally breaking and him sort of set on his path towards the end of the series. Pride, stubborn, unyielding pride. From the servant girl that cleaned my quarters, to the condemned man toiling in a labor camp, to the terrorist skulking through the hills of Dakua province. They all wore their pride like some twisted badge of honor. And you hated them for it. Of course I hated them! I hated everything about them! In terms of two characters in a room, or in this case, in a cave, you know, sharing like <laughs> grit and like they're not like you get the uh, shot of the Honshu at the beginning, you get a couple of intercutting scenes of the Defiant trying to find them, but most of it is just relatively small, enclosed, two characters going at it. And I, I, 
I love this episode. Yeah, it's fantastic. This fits your prime director perfectly. So even with the breaks in the acts with uh, Wei-Yoon and Kira and other people showing yep. up as uh, as phantoms, I love it. Uh, Dana, Jim, any take? Yeah, um, so I'm in the middle of an unofficial Deep Space Nine rewatch, which happened accidentally, but oops, I'm in the middle of <laughs> the season best kind. Now. Yep. So I literally watched this episode like last week and I did not even think about it, but it is perfect with the two of them in the cave. And so my number five and number four choice also had people slightly spiraling into craziness. And this actually fits with that as well. And Mm -hmm. no, this is such a good character episode with both Cisco and Ducat just, just trying to survive. And it's, Perfect. I like that. Well, Dr. Dr. Geiger is kind of spiraling. In that is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really glad I played that, uh, that soup round clip of uh, Cisco uh, getting, getting some soup. Surprise. I have a whole bunch now. I, 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 I cut like 15 soup lines. So I'm going to drop them in differently. So I'm dropping that one in now as a surprise callback. Okay. Let's go to Dana's pick. What's your number two pick? Uh, five words falcons in small town america hashtag the real first contact yes and i think i've picked this one like two times before on here but whatever i mean it's who perfect. cares this is perfect yeah. i didn't think of it and no one's spiraling in this one <laughs> yes so it's of course carbon creek and i love it because it's it is i think oh four vulcans it's been a while since i rewatched it um but I think it's four of them. They crash land and they're isolated in the sense that they're isolated from Vulcan. And it's kind of this fish out of water story. And you, they sort of kind of make their lives kind of good until they're rescued. And, and they have to kind of leave and back um, go back to, to Vulcan, except, of course, one of them stays behind. But it's just it's a nice self-contained story of just kind of finding your way and it's just so quiet and just peaceful i love it it really is this is quintessential quietest episode of star trek it's this is brilliant i honestly cannot believe i didn't think of it where are you going to the ship why this antenna is inadequate i believe i can use a waveform discriminator to enhance it It'll be safer to go after dark. We can't risk being followed. I need to go now. I Love Lucy is on tonight. Uh, Alex, Jim, anything? I love this pick. In fact, one of my favorite scenes from this episode isn't even in the episode. It's, I think it's the blooper. It's the blooper from this episode. It's, it's, it's the Paul Tucker and it's the Paul Tucker and Archer at, at the dinner scene at the end of the episode, but they're doing it drunk. It's one of my favorite scenes of all time. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm sure I know Perfect. I've seen it because I've watched those, but I do not remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's literally one of my favorite scenes from all time, and it's not even in the episode. <laughs> Can't be Carbon Creek. Just what a what a wonderfully sweet idea for an episode that just is executed perfectly. Yep. Perfect episode of Star Trek. Okay. Jim McMahon, what's your number two pick? My number two pick is five words. Cryogenics, Romulans, and missing colonies. Hashtag, could the Borg have destroyed the colonies along the neutral zone? It is the neutral zone from TNG. 
I like this. Yeah, this is good. This fits. This would fit mine. Yeah, it's an episode where, although it's good, it, it could never seem to figure out what the A storyline was, and all of the storylines never seem to pack just quite enough punch, in, in, in my opinion. But what happens, but just the, all the inter- interactions between the 20th century survivors, I just love all those scenes. They're super quiet. They're low stakes. Yep. There's not a lot happening. And oh, then, yeah. And w- one of my favorite scenes is the, is the scene where Claire Raymond is woken up and she sees Dwarf and passes out again. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. It's not uh, Sonny Q. Clemens uh, ordering a martini. No. <laughs> um, the uh, and then at the end when the Ramans show up, it's kind of like we've been quiet for fifty years. Yep. But we're back. We're back. I, I like it. it. Was, although it was great when the businessman could read the Romulans, you know, yeah, like a cheap paper bag. <laughs> yeah, no that uh, that was a nice twist too. That it's uh, this is a this is a, I really like this pick. I think this is a really quiet episode. This would have fit my. Uh, my prime directive, if I thought of it, Alex, Dan, any take? Yeah, this is this is a really good uh, pick for this. I didn't think of it either. It's so it's what season one of next. Yeah, week? this is the end, yeah. this is the season finale of. of oh, season it's the season one. finale. Yeah, no wow. one remembers yeah. that because you oh, you think it's conspiracy, but right? It's, but it's actually yeah. this one. No, I actually like this episode as like the first season has a lot of uh, episodes that fall flat, but this one I think kind of had that next-gen magic so to speak that you could kind of see really uh in the next seasons but oh this is a interesting episode and it is very quiet you're right and no no scene i think quieter but more poignant than the one where troy helps claire like follow her family tree and find that she has a great 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 grandson who's alive in the 24th century okay let's close out round two with my pick five words and a hashtag all of this is meaningless hashtag you have what you need to save yourself it is voyager season three episode seven sacred ground and i just find this episode really profound and this is from a guy who hates doctrine with passion so i i really love this this performance from Kate Mulgrew, the the strength that they give and show Janeway here, kind of learning a new way to to solve a problem. And damn, is this a quiet episode? There's just the rituals, the challenges. You know, she Janeway shows up with her expectations of what's going to happen uh, to try to save Cass, who's been uh, injured by you know this shrine or whatever on, on this planet that they're visiting. And it's just a really, it's just the the reveals are really cool. They're very well done with her kind of suffering through this ritual. And at the end, they're like, yeah, there is no ritual. That's not what you're doing here. And her just believing and kind of going through it saves Cass by realizing she can just walk her through this charge if, if you believe. And it's a real clever ending where you've got the doctor comes up with this elaborate kind of scientific explanation for why this worked to take Kess through this uh, biogenic field again and, and save her. And he's explaining it to Janeway and Janeway at this point is like, yeah, okay. All right. But he's staring <laughs> off in the distance thinking, no, I think it was because I just believed it, you know, in this whole kind of science versus faith thing. Anyway, really interesting, smart 
uh, episode of Star Trek that's worth revisiting. Super quiet, sacred ground. Anyone got a take on this one? I enjoy this one a lot. It's not one I think of automatically a lot of the time. And it's one where when I'll be doing like, cause I just, I did Voyager a few months ago and you, you get through season three and you're like, Oh, this one, am I going to have a good time? And then every time I watch it, I'm like, Oh yeah, that was really good. I really enjoyed that at the end of it. Um, and it has George Costanza's mum in it. So like, it does. Estelle, Estelle Harris is in it. And I, <laughs> and I wanted to pick Tin Man as one of my quiet episodes, but I couldn't. So I picked another one with Harry Groner in it. So, uh, yes. <laughs> And and Robert Duncan McNeil, this is the first. I think it's the first episode he directed. He I believe that's correct. Yes. I've studied a number of ritualistic societies, and many of the rites have commonalities. This one may be completely different. I'm willing to do whatever is necessary. I don't doubt that. But do you realize that all of this is meaningless? That the only thing that matters is finding your connection to the spirits. I'm going to make every effort to do that. But I didn't come here for personal enlightenment. I'm trying to save a member of my crew. That's a worthy cause. I hope the spirits listen to you. Then let's begin. Uh, Dana, Jim, any final takes on Sacred Ground? It's a good, uh, if it's my theme as well, I think so. I also forgot about this one, so it could have been in my top five. <laughs> Add it to your rewatch list. Oh, oh yes, hey. I gotta rewatch Voyager. <laughs> it's not an episode I even remember that much about. Well, you have to add it to your list too, then, Jim. Yep. Okay, let's go to round one. Begin round one. And Alex, what's your number one quietest episode of Star Trek? Five word summary. He's Cardassian. That's reason enough. Oh Hashtag no, it's not. It's Star Trek Deep Space Nine, season one, episode 19, duet. Ah, this is a good one. Which has obviously. I mean, this is a no brainer for your prime right? Yeah. I mean, and it's got, it's like loud moments, <laughs> but it also has like some really key quiet moments in the episode and. It's very much a two-hander. You have three long scenes that are basically just Nana Visitor playing Kira and Harris Yulin playing um, uh, uh, Maritza. Maritza, thank you. I was thinking uh, he was, he was Heel, pretending Maritza. to be Goldar Yes, right. Uh, Maritza. Um, and I mean, just like what a delicious episode that is Again, just a complete bottle episode. They use like three sets over the course of the whole episode. And it's so well acted. It's so well done. And it really kind of like talk about, you know, top five episodes that show you the potential for what the rest of the show could be. Right. right? Like this one really fits the bill there where it's, I think this is sort of the first real episode where they grapple in a super serious way with the premise of the show around the Bajoran occupation and what that had meant and the impact of that on both the Bajorans and the Cardassians and how, you know, there's more to it than meets the eye. And one set of people aren't necessarily automatically, you know, always in the right. And one set of people aren't necessarily automatically in the wrong, that there are shades of gray. Not, I mean, I guess that counts as a quiet episode from the, uh, just from the original film stuff. Um, but like duet, like 
it's just it's just a perfect episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and it's a perfect episode of the franchise as a whole. You're Eamon Maritza, his filing clerk. <laughs> That's not true. I am alive. I will always be alive. It's Maritza who's dead. Maritza, who was good for nothing but cowering under his bunk and weeping like a woman, <laughs> who every night covered his ears because he couldn't bear to hear the screaming. For mercy of the Pajoras. <laughs> like you said, this episode, unlike maybe any other episode, showcases exactly what this series Steve Eisenstein was going to be. So good. This is the point where yeah. you kind of it kind of people went, "Oh, this is what this this show is going to be." I mean, it was uh, amazing. Super quiet. Fits your prime directive. Perfect. Kind of no brainer. I didn't think of this one either. Because they because they do a little shouting, you know, uh, at each yes. other. But uh, but from your breakdown, it's uh, it's perfect. Uh, Dan and Jim, any thoughts? Yeah, um, when the first time I watched Deep Space Nine, like the first season, is good. But when I got to this episode, it was like, oh, that's great. Right. This is this is going to be a great show. So this is my turning point episode of Deep Space Nine for sure. Yeah, I wonder if I put this in my run of five picks because you got duet then in the hands of the prophet and then the circle trilogy right after this incredible incredible run okay dana what All is right. your number one pick five words everyday life of an android hashtag dancing doctor yep. i'm glad it came up <laughs> yes and it's data's day perfect yeah it's just it's another um mash like episode with writing a letter which is i thought interesting that two of my my choices had that, but it's just a nice slice of life for Data. And yeah, there's the whole Romulan subplot and everything, but it's just Data is the focus going about trying to understand humans. And I love that it's the first time we got to see Keiko, who I absolutely love and wish we got more of Keiko, yeah. but it's her introduction. And I also like that we got more of O'Brien because he was just kind of there in the transporter room, beaming people up and down. And we just kind of got more of of his character as well, even though the focus is on Data. But I have a feeling without kind of this Catalyst episode, maybe we wouldn't have gotten him on uh, Deep Space Nine because For sure. he became such a, a good character on there. And he started off as such a tiny kind of almost extra, glorified extra. So this was a really just good all around episode in in so many ways. I, I could see this one being a consideration for a future game changers pick as well, because this episode was major game changer for Star Trek. It's the first real kind of, like you said, slice of life episode like this, where they just tell this real, all these different quiet stories, these little different angles. You, I mean, huge that you introduce Keiko and uh, and you get some real stuff with Miles O'Brien. For the first time, even though he's been there for three years. And and even the ending, you know, even like the drama is kind of quiet, right? She just beams away. Do you think she's dead? They come back I'm like, nah, fooled you. We're taking off. It's, it's Yeah, there's no there's no shots fired. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just they, nope. they go away. No shouting, just kind of like, oh, there's nothing we can do about this. This is it's it's awesome. Uh Alex, Jim. This episode is the origin of one of my favorite lines in the whole franchise 
some days you get the bear and some days the bear gets you. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. That's well, perfect. I like the fact that they showed that Data was still in contact with Bruce Maddox, at, at least yes. up to that point anyway, since it was framed around him writing writing log letters to Maddox. Yeah, that's true. That that was mm. that's a nice little piece of continuity and and uh, world expansion. I love that, uh, and I like that Admiral Sati brings it up as kind of like one of the things she's trying to pin on him because she's a nut job. So there's a, there's a lot of good things in this uh, episode, and uh, really is a is a key catalyst for a lot of stuff in Trek. I love this pick. Uh, all right, Jim, let's hear your final pick. What's your number one quietest episode? All right, uh, get ready to fire those torpedoes, Jim. <laughs> my, my five words are DePaul's great-grandma uh, great in Pennsylvania. Hashtag the Vulcans invented Velcro. It is Carbon Creek from Enterprise. I Yay. love it. That's a Yay. worthy number one duplicate. So why did you uh, pick it, Jim? I picked it because it is a very, very low key episode. It only, the ending, at least when Tapal <laughs> left the captain's mess, was was left in doubt, and and there were only three main cast members in the in the episode at all, and only one for the bulk of the episode, so it relied heavily on the guest stars. For sure, I didn't even realize that. So the all the rest of the cast isn't even in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's obvious. Yeah, you're right. That never clicked in my mind. That's cool. All right. Any final takes on Carbon Creek, an all-time classic Trek episode, and quiet. I love Lucy is on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Perfect. Okay, let's close it out with my number one pick. Five words and a hashtag. Give me my true name, hashtag. I already did. And I can't believe I hadn't picked this when we did our Short Treks, short treks episode. But it is uh, Calypso from Star Trek Short Treks. Carl, on your world, if we were lovers, would you tell me your name? Your true name? If we were lovers on my world, you would give me my true name. Oh. Well, then I already did. And I think this is one of the most poignant and beautiful and quiet episodes of Star Trek ever. I freaking love it. It, it even I, mean, I loved it at the time when you have Kraft and this exchange with uh, Zora and Annabelle Wallace, the computer on on the ship on the Discovery, and they're in the future, nine hundred years or a thousand years or whatever. We actually it could be two thousand years based on the the wordplay because they say. They've been waiting for the crew a thousand years since the crew left is how they phrase it, which means, oh, so the crew's now in the 32nd century. So it could be a thousand years after the 32nd century. Anyway, I digress. This is a fantastic, quiet, amazing Star Trek uh, episode. It's the height for short treks for me. It's written by Michael Chabon, who does uh, went on to showrun and create the Picard series, directed by Olatunde Osinsanme. I love this episode. Aldous Hodge is craft. It's just so much good stuff between these between these two characters. And the fact that it sets up now, it's paying off so well in Discovery as we get into Season 4 and with Season 5 coming up and the emergence of, of Zora. So Calypso, one of my favorites. Alex, what's your pick? 
I would be perfectly content with them never reconciling Discovery, the TV show, with Calypso. I don't need it. I don't. It's mm-hmm. not something I'm interested in them bending over backwards to do. It's a perfect love story that's told over a short period of time. It has some really interesting themes. It has some great characters. And it's fine just the way it is. It doesn't need to fit neatly into the rest of the Star Trek uh, you know, kind of whatever. I mean, it's a alternate universe, alternate timeline, whatever you want to call it. It's perfect just the way it is. And I kind of just would like to leave it that way. But, but uh, so I totally agree with you, but at the same time, it could, well, you're saying because it doesn't have detached nacelles cells and stuff. So. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it could be. It, it, it's it, a bunch it, of little it, things. I'm sure there's a bunch of ways they could come up with explanations yeah. to do it. I just don't know why they, why, why bother taking the time to do that? Just let it be, a great thing by itself. Yeah, the only real roadblock would be as if Discovery was destroyed at some point. But then again, it could be another version of Discovery. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, there, there point, are so many ways I'm, to I'm, go to I'm completely it. missing your point, Alex. It doesn't matter. Uh, Dana, what's yeah, your take uh, on this is, this is my favorite of the short tracks. I think it's just such a wonderful, like, sweet little uh, self-contained story and I yeah. thought of it about five minutes before we started <laughs> recording and I was so upset but it's not even I think my favorite short track I think it's one of my favorite kind of discovery era episodes as well it's just so poignant I think just nicely done and just again small and quiet compared yeah. with like discovery goes really really big with a lot of their stories and this was just a nice self-contained kind of slow paced low stakes episode and then, and also just super powerful in terms of the mm-hmm. emotions and the way they, they react i think it fits basically all of our uh, yeah. prime directives yep Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Okay, well, let's jump into some secondary systems picks here for the episodes that just missed our list. Alex, anything you want to rattle off? Uh, Yeah, I got two that came very close to making my list. Uh, Ethics from the Next Generation and Resolutions from Voyager. Uh, And then two that fit my prime directive in the sense that it was a small number of characters, but they were just too loud overall for me to ultimately include. Uh, Macrocosm, number one, though there are some like creepy, quiet moments in that episode. Yep. Um, and Arena. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought of Arena, but it was... Oh, yeah, yeah Arena too, can work. Yeah, it ended up being too too loud. I just don't think I can, I can sort of... Um, uh, bring myself to put on my list of top five quietest episodes, an episode that gave uh, William Shatner uh, tinnitus for the rest of his life. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because uh, that wouldn't be very quiet. I definitely thought of that one as as well. Uh, Dana, how about you? Any any. I had um, Blink of an Eye, which is just a really lovely Voyager episode. Um, And very, very quiet, but also there's a few kind of, I think, explosions near the end, which I kind of decided against it. Uh, Terra Firma is one of my favorite episodes of Discovery. I love that it's just so character focused, where Discovery, I find, is very plot focused sometimes. And the characters don't get as much room to breathe. But Terra Firma is just wonderful. So it almost made my list. Um, 
Explorers was a good one, yep. and Shuttlepod One and the Motion Picture, of course. Love it. Yep, all those are great. Jim, any on your uh, secondary systems? Uh, I have Course Oblivion from Voyager. Ooh, yeah. Move Along Home and the Storyteller from Deep Space Yay. Nine. <laughs> yeah. And sh- and Shades of Grey and Force of and Force of Nature from TNG. Okay, all of those would fit your prime directive well. So I'll rattle off a few more. I I really like Natural Law of uh, from Voyager season seven. They're they're speaking in sign language a lot with that one with Chakotay, and they have to get to know the indigenous uh, race on that planet. I've already picked it, so I didn't pick that one. The two that I haven't picked that I thought of were Whispers yep. from Deep Space Nine and Innocence from Voyager, which is a real quiet episode. And then I'm going to rattle off a whole bunch that I that I already picked, so I couldn't pick them. The Sound of Her Voice, Day of Honor, there's the, the scene in space, it's real quiet. Atholian Web is fairly quiet with uh, them trying to get get Kirk. Uh, Balance of Terror and Starship Mine are both kind of the ship needs to be quiet in uh, uh, submarine movie mode. Hard Time, Tin Man, I already said Explorers, Alter Ego. I really like the last act of that episode. Very that It's really quiet. Uh, Stigma and Cogenitor, those just feel like quiet episodes. And I'm going to get, I really thought this one would get picked. This would have been my number one probably if I hadn't already picked it. Is Eye of the Needle from. Voyager, just yep. really, yeah. that one's, that's just a quiet, smart episode of uh, of Trek, for sure. Okay, I knew this would be a super interesting topic with some, with some awesome deep cuts, so I love this, uh, but let's get into our regeneration cycle and go through some stats and recap our picks. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. All right, let's go through a quick recap. Uh, Alex, rattle off your five. Number five, Star Trek Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 2, Family. Number four, Star Trek Enterprise, Season 1, Episode 16, Shuttlepod 1. Number three, Star Trek Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 16, Doctor's Orders. Number two, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 6, Episode 11, Waltz. And number one, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 19, Duet. Love it. So your first, your top two were both Deep Space Nine. You also had two from Enterprise and one from TNG. Dana, how about your five? All right. Number five is Doctor's Orders from Enterprise. Number four is Remember Me from Next Generation. Number three is In the Cards from Deep Space Nine. Number two is Carbon Creek from Enterprise again. And number one is Data's Day from Next Generation. Awesome. So you also had two from Enterprise, and then you had two from TNG and one from Deep Space Nine. Uh, Jim McMahon, how about your list? Right. Number five was If Wishes Were Horses from Deep Space Nine. Number four was Star Trek The Motion Picture from TOS. Number three was Children of Mars from Short Treks. Number two was The Neutral Zone from TNG. And number one was Carbon Creek from Enterprise. All right, so you had you spread it around with five different incarnations with TNG, D Space Nine, Enterprise, and then you had the motion picture and Children of Mars. So one of the longest treks and one of the shortest treks uh, back to back there. 
Okay, my five, number five was the Mark of Gideon from TOS. Loud as a Whisper from TNG was my round four pick. Number three was Life Signs from Voyager. Number two, Sacred Ground from Voyager. And my number one from Short Treks was Calypso. So I had two from Voyager, one from TOS, TNG, and Short Treks. And this is cool. We had... We had two duplicate picks, so that's awesome. We haven't had, we haven't been having a lot of duplicates lately, so that's cool. Nice to fire those torpedoes again. And we were pretty, you know, legacy series heavy here. So there was the only non-legacy series picks were two short treks picks, which is I find very fascinating. Interesting. Everything yeah. else is legacy treks. We had two from TOS, two from Voyager. And then, oh my god, they all have four. TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Enterprise each had four picks. Nice. So that's crazy. Even with tw- with uh, some extra picks here, 20 total picks, it was almost all Legacy Trek for our quietest episodes. Fantastic. All right, we're going to initiate a temporal inversion right now because it's time to hear from you. Initiate temporal inversion. Initiating. And for this week's Temporal Inversion, we are going back to some great picks we received from our topic on episode 145, the top five high-concept TOS episodes. So here are a few picks from different listeners. I love that topic. Getting into uh, my TOS love from Craig Maine, who is at Craig M1701. He had elevator pitches in his list, so, so two of them stood out to me. The five words and a hashtag for who mourns for Adonai. The Greek gods were aliens. Hashtag, I am czar of all the Russians. Uh, I love that pick. And then he also had, for let that be your last battlefield, attention idiots, this is you. Hashtag, white on the wrong side. I love those two. And then our friend Caleb, who is at Rogue Moog on Twitter, for where no man has gone before, he had strange energies grant superpowers. Hashtag, even the title is high concept. That was a awesome uh, outside the box pick. And then, and then I, I love this one. I don't know if this came up that much on the episode. A piece of the action book accidentally changes entire civilization. Civilization hashtag gangsters on Sigma Iosha two. And then two more were for from uh, Jeff Owen, who is at NCC underscore seventeen Formula One. He had Assignment Earth Trek spinoff. It'll never work. Hashtag failed spinoff. And then Spectre of the Gun, uh, which we did talk about. Imagined Environment and Cardboard Sets. Hashtag OK Corral. And his last one, which I don't think we talked about. I love the Menagerie. Canceled Pilot Gets New Purpose. Hashtag Best Clip Show Ever. So really good. Okay, those picks, more than enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal causality loop. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five quietest episodes or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 or you can just record it yourself and then DM me a link and we can go from there. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, it's a special one. And it's about time for episode 153, 
which is going to be released just before the start of season three of Star Trek Picard, which we all know is basically going to be a big TNG reunion. So for that show, we are highlighting the most prolific character in Star Trek history, the character who has been in more episodes than anyone in the history of Trek, currently 274 and counting. It's the top five Worf episodes. Cannot wait. I love Worf. So Alex, Dana, and Jim, if you had to choose one Worf episode or moment, you know, we kind of call it episodes, but it could be moment, off the top of your turtle head, what would it be, Alex? Uh, when he goes back for Jadzia in Change of Heart and rescues her rather than completes the mission. Ooh, I love it. That's a that point. is literally my pick. I was just about to Google what the episode was called because I just I just watched it. I think a few days ago because I'm in season six of Deep Space Nine, and I'm just that's a good a good wharf scene. Change of heart. It, it is. Yeah. It uh, re- repercussions for the character for sure. Yeah, we could see some of those in uh, Picard season three. Who knows? Uh, Jim, how about you, man? One wharf uh, pick. Death to the opposition. (laughs) That's perfect. perfect. That's perfect. All right. Looking forward to that one. Channel closed. Reset. Subspace communications. Scrambler code Riker 1. Scrambler code Riker 1 acknowledged. Okay, let's close this episode out with a huge thanks to Alex Perry, Dana Kennedy, and Jim McMahon. It was great having you guys on the show. Any final Trek Scrambler codes? Either one of you want to relay before we depart, uh, Alex? Thank you, Jim. Fun as always. Always a pleasure. Dana, thanks for coming back. Yep, always happy to be the last-minute guest. (laughs) (laughs) Next time you'll be the first-minute guest. (laughs) And Jim, thanks for finally figuring it out. I'm glad we got you on, man. Oh, yeah, this was fun. I I hope I'm able to come back again in the future. All right. Keep the list coming. I love this. And finally, I want to thank everyone for engaging with us here on episode 152 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. This is blue. This is the blue ocean. This is the blue ocean at sunset. This is two people walking along the beach by the blue ocean at sunset. This is two happy people in love walking along the beach by the blue ocean at sunset. This is too Let's talk to Riva. Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. Captain's Log, Stardate 509-9.4. Two days ago, this station felt like a tomb. I'd never seen so many of my crew depressed at the same time. 
but for some reason, it now seems as though a new spirit has swept through the station, as if someone had opened a door and let a gust of fresh air blow through a musty old house. Why this is happening, frankly, is a mystery to me. After all, nothing has really changed. The Dominion is still a threat. The Cardassians are still threatening to retake the station, and I can still see the clouds of war gathering on the horizon. So why do I sense a newfound sense of optimism in the air? But maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe the real explanation is as simple as something my father taught me a long time ago. Even in the darkest moments, you can always find something that'll make you smile.